0: Welcome to Skull Stories, presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, Pete Bursich and I are catching up with Pro Football Hall of Fame semifinalist, the big personality, the one and only Jared Allen. First, Pete, let's recap what happened uh, Sunday against the Chicago Bears. Uh, a bit mystifying. It's sort of been this way all year, even when the Vikings have won at home. It just hasn't looked like the Vikings were ever in control of a football game, and this one, they were playing catch up pretty much all afternoon long.
1: Yeah, they were, and it's it's hard. You know, you you, you come back and you look at things on the offensive side of the ball that you know didn't happen. You know, uh, but you have to understand the offense is playing catch up. When you put up twenty seven points against the Bears defense, um, that's a that's a good day it was the other side of the ball it was you know defensively we never really slowed chicago down you make them punt only once in an yeah. entire game i mean that that's that's trouble no matter how you look at it so the offense was in a catch up mentality defensively there was just at no point was there an edge there were plenty of mental errors there were there was confusion more than we've seen and you know, I know for, for Zimmer, he has to be unbelievably frustrated because one week it's the kicker, one week it's this, one week it's that. It's just a uh, – you know, it just floats. You can't put – you know, because it's hard to fix when you can't plan or understand what the problem is. And I'll tell you what, you know, you, you talk to a guy like Jared Allen and you see the personality and the mm. fire and passion that he brings to a room in his in a D-line room, to a defense, to a team – uh, you need some of that out there,
0: and in spite of all the defensive deficiencies they had on Sunday, the Vikings still had an opportunity with their offense to steal this game. And unfortunately, fourth down a couple times did them in, and the hail mary fell short. But they just couldn't get over the hump when they had to offensively when they presented that opportunity in the fourth quarter.
1: No, you're right. and you're right, and that's the thing is when when uh, at some time at some point the offense has to play a near perfect game. And when you're called upon to do so, you can't mm-hmm. question why you just have to go about doing it. And, um, you know, when you when you put up almost 400 yards of offense and say, mm-hmm. well, it's still not good enough. It, it, that's a tough thing. But that's just that's the team part of the game you know, it's not going to be, you know, your defense isn't always going to be or, 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 you know, be able to stop everybody, nor is your offense going to be able to score, you know, 30 some points. So the special teams has to make plays when they can. The defense has to make plays when they can. And when it's your turn to pull one through, you can't complain about it. You know, you can't ask, why are we here? You just got to go about doing it and taking care of business. So um, unfortunately, yeah, they had to play the perfect game and we didn't get it. <laughs>
0: Well, Pete, it's a kick to have uh, with us tonight uh, one of the most popular players in the modern era the Minnesota Vikings. The man, the mullet, the legend, Jared Allen. And, Jared, you know, I look at your Wikipedia page. I'm not saying you've been retired for a while, but the first thing it says is Jared Scott Allen is an American curler. And, by the way, a former professional football defensive end. Yeah, how about that? This is what the kids are going to know you as. Uh, forgetting about the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame semifinalist the american curler i
2: don't know who's in charge of the wikipedia stuff but i heard about that a while ago i thought it was pretty funny uh so yeah you know unfortunately curling's on hold right now otherwise yeah.
0: uh, i'd be in the midst of it well tell us about that before i turn it over to pete here how far along uh have you gotten i mean you got, you got a team together and how serious uh are you about this
2: uh we were very serious i mean we think we did goodness you know eight events last year we started putting it together at the end we uh you know, won a couple games, ended up at the finals. It uh, took, you know, second at one of the tournaments and in the finals. And then we went over to the challenge rounds and uh, didn't have our best performers, so we didn't make it to the nationals or anything. But we were all we were all geared up and we were, you know, moving the pieces around and, uh, <laughs> and getting ready for this year. Then COVID hit and uh, the dream is still alive, so to speak.
1: Jared, I mean, we'll get into everything, but I want to go back to um – when you're in high school and getting ready to go to college, you ended up at, at Idaho state. That's always kind of a head scratcher that a guy who's one of the 25 modern finalists for the NFL hall of fame uh, ended up at Idaho state. And the story behind that about Southern Cal and everything, could you let the listeners just give them some background? Cause I think it's a, re- I think it's an awesome story. It's a good Yeah, listener.
2: So uh, I, I was pretty highly recruited at least my junior year and senior year out of, out of high school. And uh, so I, I had, Pretty much committed to uh, University of Washington. That's where I decided I was going to go. I wanted to play. <clears throat> so, you know, I always wanted to play in the Pac-10. That now it's the Pac-12. See, that's all that it was the Pac-10. <laughs> mm-hmm. A prank gone wrong. We thought it'd be funny to take all the yearbooks so no one would get all any yearbooks, and um, the school didn't find it as funny as we did. And so <laughs> there's a whole bunch. Of, it was a debacle, right? We knew the people of the yearbook committee. They were passing out yearbooks to everybody. We we took a bunch of boxes of people that didn't get their yearbooks. I had, I had two of them. I gave them back, but I wouldn't rat on anybody. Cause you know, snitches get stitches. I kept my mouth shut. ended up getting kicked out of school for it. And, uh, ended up at Los Gatos. I ended up at Los Gatos my senior year when they found out why I went to Los Gatos and, uh, got kicked out of school. The colleges weren't too keen about, you know, the, uh, the so-called bad behavior that I had. Uh, they were probably right. They were obviously right about it. Uh, but you know what? Loyalty. I never <laughs> rat on anybody. So, uh, I took my luck and ended up in the same spot. Yeah, that's where I wanted to go. And then I think I was going into my junior year, I was preseason all-American. And what our offensive coordinator, Coach Uperesa, had went down to SC, and SC had offered me a full ride. To, uh, I talked to him. He's like, "You just got to get your release from Idaho State." And my coach was like, "Nope, you ain't going anywhere." So ended up sticking it out. Things worked out all right.
1: Well, yeah. And that's kind of the thing. It's, you know, you made a mistake as a young man and you paid the price for it, but you overcame it and you didn't, you know, you didn't let, you didn't go in the tank over it and and you stuck with it and obviously had an unbelievable NFL career. So I think that's a great lesson in life for everybody.
2: I'm a firm believer that the good Lord puts you where he wants you when he needs you. And I had phenomenal coaches. Larry Lewis was our head coach and Mark Ray was my D-line coach and uh coach ball actually coach ball he was he he coached at alabama i think he's down at memphis now he might be the dc down in memphis now And they all came from washington state they were all washington state guys that left and so you know they they went and recruited basically every d1a player that that was getting in any bit of trouble we (laughs) we were like the bad news bears and so i you know it was it was great but i had some great coaches mark ray he put me in the right spots the right places to teach me technique and you know even when i was going to go he uh He's like, man, we haven't accomplished everything we want to accomplish here. So why are you going to go off and try to do something else? And so that's what I decided. I was like, you know what? I'm here. I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to be the best one double A player I could possibly be if that's the case. My choice has led to other people's decisions. And so you you stick it out and you make the best of it. And uh, like I said, hard work always pays off. So.
0: Jared, after starting your NFL career uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Vikings paid a pretty big price to get you to come to Minnesota. Uh, what do you recall about uh, finding out about the news when you got traded to the Vikings and your initial thoughts about coming here?
2: Oh, I was I was excited. You know, I, I put a lot of effort into to get that to happen. <laughs> so, I knew people who knew Brad. And so after I got off the phone with with Clark Hunt and, uh, and, and basically told the Chiefs that they might as well trade me because... Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm going to show up six weeks late and pull a hamstring day one, and they can keep franchising me until they decide to stop paying me to sit on the bench, or they can just get picks for me. So it worked out, and, and Minnesota is where we wanted to be. And it was—I mean, it, that, was, that was where I obviously where I wanted to be. So when you asked yeah, the question, "Was What did I? How did I act?" I found out I was—I was ecstatic when the uh, when the Chiefs gave us permission to go, you know, to go seek a trade and, and stuff like that. Uh, and when we got the deal done in Minnesota, it was just—I think it, it was—it was a thing, It was—it was a culmination of of a team it was, it was finally feeling like a team truly believed in me as, as a person right um mm-hmm. you, know, you know going through all that obviously the Chiefs did I, I have no ill will with the Chiefs I love the Chiefs that organization is phenomenal the crowd is phenomenal I had every intention of spending my whole career there um uh, but unfortunately the business side is you know the business side and 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 you know I was my first experience with it and they use they use personal things on the business side and mm-hmm. and that's when the lines get crossed and I, and I really wasn't I wasn't happy with that, you know. I I had proven to them that I would made a mistake. Uh, I worked my butt off to prove to them that I wasn't that person. I've grown up. Obviously, I was doing what I was doing on the field, and um, and so they they kept telling me I was at risk. I was at risk. I was an at risk person to sign. And when I came into Minnesota, for them to give up the picks and the money and make me the highest paid defensive player in NFL history at the time, that that was something to me. It was it was there was there was so much trust instilled in me. I think it was just one of those things. That it was. Not only was it, it wasn't a relief, but it just gave me a drive that I wanted to, I wanted to be even better than I was in Kansas City because an organization that, you know, the so-called go out on a limb for you. Um, and, and 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 at that time, like I said, to, to give up that kind of money and those kind of pitch was kind of unheard of. Uh, so yeah, they put a lot of faith in me. And, and like I said, it was, it was, it was a match made in heaven. I loved it there. Um, I had no intentions of ever leaving there. And, and, you know, that's the reason I went back and retired there because it was, it was, it was it, it was. It was. It was where I need to be, um, and I consider that everybody in that organization family.
0: It's school season at Mystic Lake. Enter casino and digital drawings for prizes like season tickets, away game trips, and a Polaris side by side. Get details and enter now at mysticlake.com/slash-football. We'll be back with more school stories right after this. It's game day any day.
1: Play the new Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. And now back to more school Stories with Jared Allen.
0: When you did come to Minnesota, uh, eventually, Jared, you played with some big personalities, big talented guys in that line. Think of Kevin Williams and Pat Williams, Ray Edwards, eventually Everson Griffin, what was it about that unit? Um, and you, you're a big personality guy that made you guys mesh so well.
2: So Dunbar, it set this amazingly high, no, amazingly high level of competition in the room. And then you take Kevin and Pat on top of it, who, you know, were already dominant. And then you got, you know, Frazier's defense and what we were, what they were doing on the run side of the ball. You know, it was a testament to just honestly the competitiveness in our room. And nobody wanted to be outworked or outdone, but at the same time, there was a humility and respect for everything everybody was doing. And, and we all we understood the pecking order too, you know. If when you have when you have like, you know, so Kevin Pat and I all were all pro, so you got us three kind of leading by example. And then, you know, Dunbar holds held the room to a standard of like no BS, right? Like everybody, you know, we I get called out, Kevin get called out, Pat get called out. And it was just we just had this way where you know it's just nothing was off limits. If you gave, if you weren't holding up your end of the deal, you got called out because our room was expected to be the very best. And those are just standards we set for ourselves. And like I said, I think it was more along the lines of the, the high level of competition we in our own room that 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 drove us. You gotta remember Ray, Ray was our so-called weakest link, and that dude was getting like 50 tackles a year in eight and ain't half sacks. We made t-shirts that said outlaw everybody's like, Why did you put Ray on there? We said he, he ain't done enough time
0: yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you take a look, there's you. There's Kevin Williams, Oklahoma State, as country as it can be. And then you have Pat Williams, who came to us from Buffalo, who, I mean, the guy talked him 100 miles an hour when he could. They had, they, they, that had to have been an amazing – there had to been some amazing conversations with that guy. I had to group. learn how to speak
2: Pat. I mean, I, I – <laughs> had to be like a Rosetta Stone for Pat, you know. I remember we, we went out to, uh, like, Redstone when we first got there. I'm sitting there listening to him talk. Yeah, and you got Kevin, slow, you know, Arkansas, country Arkansas – pat who's louisiana country which is a totally different type of country <laughs> hey, yeah yeah yo, you you don't you're, 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 and just and i fell in love with pat because that dude that dude could mf anybody at any time any place and and, and just i mean it was it was amazing i was just like oh this, we are gonna have so much fun talking trash to people um and so yeah it just but again like the, the work ethic that driving it was an immediate connection when we all sat down for dinner and uh, i remember First of all, this is who Dunbar, Kevin, and Pat picked me up from the airport. Three of the biggest human beings I've ever seen. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went out to the dinner. And we were just like, "What is going on?" But yeah, it was just honestly, it was an immediate brotherhood, and so everybody knew they had to be legit. We had to work, and you know, we had we had rules. You had to earn the right to rush the passer. I think I think that's what got me, you know, most fired up. I would probably earned the most respect in the room because everybody knew I could rush the passer. But they, they come when I came in. They're like, "We play the run here." I'm like. You know, you check my tackle stats first off. None of them ever beat me in tackles as long as I was there. I was like, come on, guys, like <laughs> get out of here. So we're yeah, Jared- I love those guys. I still talk to them today. Um, and I, I think man, arguably one of the greatest D lines, you know, in that time period, man, it was we were we were putting people down.
0: How much were you fueled by the fans at the Metronome? And I ask that now in retrospect as much as anything because it's been Obviously, U.S. Bank's been a lonely place like many stadiums this year because of COVID, and I think of the emotion you played with and how much the fans affected you. It seems like the bond you had with them as well at the Metrodome.
2: The fans are, are why you play. You know what I mean? Like, there's just nothing. It's hard to describe when you got, you know, 60,000, 80,000 people screaming and you could just feel the noise off the field. Uh, I'll never forget that Dallas Cowboys playoff game. I mean, you literally mm-hmm. can just feel the vibrations on the field. And um, – and that sticks is that's 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 what football is about, right? I mean 80,000, 90,000 people of all different backgrounds all cheering for one cup of goal. Like sports brings people together. So the fact that you can't have that in this day and age, you know, as of right now, obviously sucks. Uh, but yeah, as players, that's I, I, I would have honestly expected I would expect that offense just, just to be getting off and defense is having a struggle because, you know, it, it's hard to play in an environment when you lose home field advantage based on the noise. You know, you lose that jump. You lose that, that energy, that, that momentum, that shift. Um, so, yeah, it would have been hard for me to play just because there is that connectivity. That's what made game day game day. You know, otherwise it's just like, you know, it might as
1: well be a, a Wednesday practice. Do you have any other memories from uh, 2009 that stand out? That would mean one and on 2009
2: season. was a that was a great season, obviously. Uh, yeah, I mean I, I think that 49ers game was, was probably the
1: like mm. one of the best, you know,
2: thing. I just remember, you know, we we're controlling the game the whole time. and All of a sudden they start running, you know, Vernon Davis up to see him, and we just decided we weren't gonna stop that ever. And uh <laughs> next thing you know, we're down. But this? Brett, Brett throws a pass to Greg Lewis who came out of <laughs> we call him Jiffy Lube. Because he came, he came in, he had this patched spotty beard. He looked like he just got done changing someone's oil. And the guy comes in and makes like a one-handed bat behind his back, toe-touch and catch to win, the, to win the game, keep us 3-0. and oh. And uh, that, that season was amazing. Uh, obviously, I, I always tell people, I said, if we could have accomplished you know, winning the Super Bowl, I think we arguably, that team could have arguably gone down as one of the greatest NFL teams. You know, one of the mm. greater NFL teams, maybe not the greatest. Uh, just because, I mean, look at the year Brett had. Our offensive line went from having, you know, Hutch is the only pro bowler think We had like three or four pro bowlers on this offensive line. We had, you know, where, where he brought Sidney Rice, uh, you know, look at Percy Harvin's year that year. And AD, I mean, it was it was it was quite impressive. I mean, you know, Chad had, his, Chad had a monster year that year, too. So I think it was, you know, Brett's kind of presence brought everybody's game to even a new level. And uh, so that's one of those what if what it could have, should have been, but uh, that, that was an amazing hmm. team. Still one of the greatest teams I've ever played on.
0: Jared, right now you are one of the 25 modern-day semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class. I mean, that that nomination has to mean a lot to you. Coming from Idaho State, imagine being a kid back in high school and college thinking that this day would come, whether you make it this year or not. Uh, what an honor for you.
2: Yeah, it's been it's been real humbling. It's been awesome, like I said. it's uh, I'd, I'd be lying to say it, it wouldn't be one of the greatest accomplishments of my life. I played this game for the respect of those who played before me and the respect of those I played against, and uh, and I hope that the people that spent their harder money to come watch me play know I gave it all I had and I left it on the field. So with that, I can hang my head high. I'm a, I'm a rare person. I got to you know play my career my way, never been cut. So it's just kind of refreshing to know that it's recognized. I guess you know what I mean mm-hmm. that, that, that the hard work is, was recognized, and those were all guys I chased. You know uh you know people thought I was crazy when I'd mark you know I'd give my coaches my my goals or individual goals or you know when I would tell people like I'd watch film with Derek Thomas day in day out and Leslie O'Neill, and just because I was chasing him and you know you go to Kansas City and say you're chasing Derek Thomas people look at you like you're crazy <laughs> um, and and that that was that was my goal I wanted to do everything he did bigger better and faster and um and I was able to accomplish those things, man. It was, and out of respect, that's what I said, the respect for those guys to come before me. It, it just, it, that that was, that was my own. I wanted to just be up there. So people thought, Hey, you know what? This kid played football the right way, the old school way. And, uh,
1: and, and that they would, they, they would, they would appreciate that. Now, Jared, you, you played football, but football wasn't who you were. And even before you retired, you got involved with the wounded warriors. You're still involved with the wounded warrior projects. Uh, what is it about? Tell us a little bit about it and how people can get involved if they want.
2: Yeah, so my foundation, Jared Allen's Homes for Wounded Warriors. What we do is we build uh, handicap accessible homes for wounded vets all over the country. Uh, you can go to our our website, you know, JAH4WW or Homes Wounded Warriors com, and um, it has all the information. That we're building our twentieth. We just gave away our twentieth house. We got another few that are we got going to four more, five more projects under underway right now. Uh, and there, so I went on a USO tour back in 09 and. There was a gap in adaptive housing and I, I learned about it back in like 07 from a buddy of mine who was in the army and uh when i came back i just knew i wanted to do something and so our kind of my motto was i'm going to serve those who serve us you know i, I understand my, my family is all military so i understand you know what makes our american dream possible and it's the men and women that lay it on the line every single day mm-hmm. And so for that, when our men and women come home, I feel like we have an obligation to provide them a little slice of the American dream. And for me, that starts with a functional home for me and my family. And so that's what we give them. We give them a functional home for them and their family, you know, all paid for. And, um, and we've been doing that going on 11 years now, or 10, a little over 10 years. Yeah.
0: Mm. It's magnificent, Jared. And, and Viking fans haven't forgotten, uh, your involvement with that. they certainly haven't forgotten your presence here in the twin cities community. And hopefully when all this is over with, you can come back and, uh, at a packed U.S. Bank Stadium and wave to all the fans here because uh, they miss you, man. They really miss you.
2: I was I was spending a lot of time back there because we were curling back there a lot. So <laughs> a lot <of> <laughs> I still love seeing the jerseys up there in the stands when I every once in a while. Not anymore, man. I can't I can't wait for things to get back to normal and uh, you know next yep. year come back when they're in the playoffs. You're doing good, hopefully.
0: Merry Christmas to you and your family, Jared. Appreciate you spending some time with us today.
2: You too. I always appreciate you guys. God bless everybody. Merry Christmas.
0: Well, Pete, it's interesting having a really fun, and passionate interview with Jared Allen. And the connection is simple. Uh, I think about the 2009 season like you do and think of what could have been the Vikings playing the Saints again this week in New Orleans, the, the scene of the crime, so to speak. But does it hurt all the more hearing Jared tell the stories about the 2009 season with Favre and the rest of the gang that it, they just didn't get up to be able to close the deal?
1: Well, it's it's like you remember... And then you forget. And and then that's kind of like, uh, you know, what time does to you. But when he's talking about Pat Williams, Kevin Williams and Jared Allen, though, think about that as a defensive oh. line, as a basis for a defensive line. And then you, you think about yesterday or you think about the game, excuse me, on, uh, on Sunday against the bears and you think about what it would have meant and what it would mean for a team to have those guys. And so you, you kind of realize mm-hmm. how special that team was. Um, and, and, they should have been a Super Bowl champion team. They had the talent, but that's the NFL. That's why they call it the Super Bowl because a lot of things have to go your way. Um, you can't just be a great team. You've got you've got to be lucky a little bit. You've gotta, you know, have some things go your way. Uh, you know, to win that ultimate trophy. But uh, what a ta- I mean, it is. It's, it's such a talented team. I'm thankful that, that we, I was able to be part of it. And we have yep. those memories, uh, you know, something to look back on and say, my goodness. And, and, and it's really like a, a measuring stick for all teams going forward.
0: The one constant between uh, that 2009 Vikings team and your opponent, ultimately the NFC title game, and what's going to happen on Christmas afternoon is the quarterback for the Saints is still Drew Brees, Uh, a a banged up Drew Brees. He uh, he looked pretty rusty against the Kansas City Chiefs, but uh, he's going to suit up and play against the Vikings on Friday afternoon.
1: Oh, he is. He's tough. I mean, you know, to be 40-some years old and be out there huffing it and breaking ribs and still hanging in there. I mean, he's, he's, he's a leader. Uh, that's one thing that we know about Drew Brees, and it's going to be a challenge for the Vikings. You know, you come out of a game against Chicago, um, you know, your prospects for uh, postseason have changed immensely. Uh, you have a lot of injuries. It's going to be interesting to see who is going to have to step up, especially defensively uh, on Christmas Day.
0: Well, we appreciate Jared Allen taking some time here during this busy holiday week. It's always great catching up with him whenever we get the chance. Pete, of course, thank you once again. Enjoy the holiday yourself. Game day uh, tomorrow, and finally, thank you fans for tuning in to another episode of Skull Stories presented by CenturyLink, trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.